All right, everybody, welcome back to the second episode of Sky High Sports and Entertainment. This is the Super Bowl special. We're going to be focused almost entirely on the Super Bowl, talking about the top five Super Bowls in NFL history, the top three reasons that I believe the Kansas City Chiefs will win this year's Super Bowl, although it's going to be a really epic matchup for some reasons I'll get into. And the top five Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. This week is the promised Super Bowl special, but don't worry. Next week, I'm going to recap the Super Bowl and it's going to be heavily NBA focused as LeBron James is now the all time leading scorer. Kevin Durant on the Phoenix Suns in one of the wildest NBA trade deadlines ever. So I'll go over the top NBA storylines so far this season before the all star break hits but for today we are going into the super bowl special so i'm going to get into that right now all right so i'm going to start off with something pretty current here which is that i believe the kansas city chiefs are going to win the super bowl this year i'm going to give you my top three reasons why so first of all, let's talk a little bit about the defense because the Eagles defense is definitely the best in the NFL this year, particularly against the pass. They are first against the pass in the entire NFL. Um, however, we'll get into this, but they are going up against Patrick Mahomes, who with Tom Brady retiring is the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now and one of the greatest of all time. So let's focus a little bit on the Chiefs defense, which is less talked about. They have a solid run defense that is eighth in the league in protecting the rush, which maybe that's just slightly above average, quite a bit above average, not top five. But what we saw is that this defense gets fired up when the time is right. And that is just what they did against the Cincinnati Bengals. This defense sacked Joe Burrow five times, intercepted him, and allowed less than 80 rushing yards against a pretty fire-powered offense. So what they've shown is that they can step up in the big moments. So I think that this D-line and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to really be able to handle that Eagles offense. I think overall... You know, I'm not sure we'll see a 30-point game from either team, but I think that, you know, we will see a game in the 20s. I'll get into my score prediction, and uh, I, I think that the defenses will be able to contain each other, and Kansas City's defense will not be slowed down, and they're going to be even better than they were in the regular season against the Eagles, just like they were against the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, my second reason is the tight end, Travis Kelsey, being an absolutely dominant force, a generational talent, a threat from anywhere. He's not just one of the best tight ends in the game, the best tight end in the game, but he is one of the best wide receivers essentially in the game as well. I said this last week, he has 15 touchdowns in the playoffs. That is second most all time behind Jerry Rice tied with the great Rob Gronkowski. And when you have a game changer like that, it is absolutely unbelievable and hard for defenses to stop and big time in the Super Bowl, especially when Kelsey has already won a Super Bowl and we can see what he does. So that's going to be something to watch for in the Kelsey Bowl as he goes up against his brother, Jason Kelsey. 
All right, last but not least, as I get into my final reason, I just want to give some credit to the Eagles and talk about how good of a game this is going to be. But it also factors into why my number one reason is going to make such a difference. These teams have had eerily similar seasons in terms of scoring 546 points each. They have a 16-3 and record each up to this point. They are both number one seeds in their respective conferences, and they have six all pros on their teams, including a Kelsey brother and a quarterback for both teams. Look, the thing is, when teams are this similar, it generally comes down to defense and or who has the most talented player. So I've talked a little bit about the defenses already and why even though the Eagles have a better pass defense and the best defense in the NFL during the regular season, I think it's going to be a close defensive matchup, much closer than people expect. However, when it's that close, when the Eagles have the best defense of the season, you go to who is the best player. And Patrick Mahomes is not just the best player this year leading the league in touchdowns and yards. He is one of the best NFL players and quarterbacks of all time, doing things we really haven't seen in a player's first five seasons. Tom Brady won three Super Bowls in his first five seasons, but the stats Patrick Mahomes is putting up and the fact that he's gone to the AFC Conference Championship every year and the fact that he can win a second Super Bowl in five seasons it's just ridiculous. I mean, the guy threw 50 touchdowns in his first season as a starter. That was what Brady did in his best season. He threw 50 touchdowns. We're going to get into that later when we're talking about the top 10 Super Bowls. But I really believe that Mahomes is going to bring the Chiefs home. I don't see him losing twice in the Super Bowl this early in his career when he has that level of greatness. If the Eagles win, I will be very happy for them. Kobe Bryant is my all-time favorite athlete, and the Eagles were his favorite team. Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal talent and a great person as well who does really fantastic work in the community. But you know what? I really believe that this time around, it's not that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles don't want it. I think Patrick Mahomes is just too great. We saw what he did in the ankle game that when he is doubted, when the odds are against him, he can rise to the occasion. And I think right now people are doubting the Chiefs more than ever. And Patrick Mahomes will rise up to the occasion. So with that being said, I am predicting that the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl 28 to 24. Uh, either way, you know, both of these quarterbacks, both these teams have had phenomenal seasons and really deserve their flowers either way but I'm going with Patrick Mahomes the baby goat uh Brady being the goat of course but you know if Patrick Mahomes wins too he's definitely going to be putting himself into the conversation as time goes on because if he wins this one I don't expect him to stop here so with that being said let's get into the top five Super Bowls of all time all right first up we're taking it old school to the only Super Bowl on this list that took place before 2007. This was Super Bowl 23 in 1989, featuring the legend, the GOAT before Tom Brady came in, Joe Montana, a.k.a. Joe Cool, Jerry Rice, and the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 23. 
All right, so this is vintage stuff coming up right here as Joe Montana throws a touchdown pass to Jerry Rice in the fourth quarter to tie the game at 13. The Bengals then go on to kick a field goal so that they're up 16 to 13. Now look, at this point, the cards are looking down for the 49ers. And that's when Joe Montana begins a drive at the eight-yard line with three minutes and 10 seconds left. And prime Joe Montana leads them down the field with a bunch of amazing passes. Passes to Jerry Rice across the field. Jerry Rice making incredible runs after the catch. Bill Walsh, the coach of the team, actually saw Montana try to call a timeout and waved him off. Montana did it again, and he waved him off because things were going well. He found out later that Joe Montana was actually hyperventilating trying to call a timeout. But Montana, as the greats do, as Patrick Mahomes did in the ankle game, as so many great players have done with injuries before or when they're tired or down, he kept going. He then threw another insane pass to Jerry Rice. And then with 34 seconds left, Joe Montana throws the game-winning touchdown, proving why he is one of the all-time greats. There weren't as many close Super Bowl matchups like there are now and epic games as we've been lucky to see. So this one was pretty special. All right, moving into number four here. We have Super Bowl 49 with the New England Patriots versus the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Seattle Seahawks were actually defending champions from the year before, defending Super Bowl champions. They had their legendary Legion of Boom defense, a prime Russell Wilson as well. And Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, they had their three Super Bowls. They lost two Super Bowls to the Giants, one of which might appear later on this list. And they were now looking to get back into the dynasty hunt. They wanted to continue that. This was the beginning of that second Patriots dynasty. And what a legendary game it was. What legendary teams going up against each other. Marshawn Lynch, the running back for the Seahawks, was literally eating Skittles on the sideline, shown by the camera, talked about by the broadcasters. I mean, this was just classic stuff. So Brady threw a pick actually in the first quarter, but the Patriots ended up going up 14 to seven going into the half as Brady threw a touchdown to Gronk with about 30 seconds left, which really gave them a little bit of that momentum. If he doesn't throw a touchdown in that half, I think they go into the second half with too much uh, momentum swinging against them and they don't come back and win the game. Actually, so they were down by 10 points. And the largest Super Bowl comeback up to this point was seven points in the fourth quarter. And the Patriots were down 10. Brady throws a touchdown to Amendola with about eight minutes left. And then with two minutes left, gets a touchdown to Julian Edelman. Puts the game up 28 to 24 at this point. And then the mistake of all mistakes the mistake of all mistakes by the incredible Pete Carroll who led USC to success, who was a Super Bowl defending champion from the season before. They have Marshawn Lynch, also known as Beast Mode, one of the greatest running backs of all time. But instead, they throw the football. Russell Wilson throws it. And Malcolm Butler, an undrafted rookie, steps in and makes the biggest play of his life, one of the biggest plays in Super Bowl histories with the Seahawks at the goal line. They could have punched it in with Marshawn Lynch. And the Patriots did stop Marshawn Lynch earlier. So that does factor into the decision-making. But still, you could have tried to run it in with Marshawn. They pass with Russell Wilson. Wilson throws a pick. 
Great play on the ball by Malcolm Butler. Brady celebrating on the sideline like a little kid with his offensive coordinator saying, oh my God, Josh, we did it. And uh, the, the rest is history. The Patriots would go on to win two more Super Bowls after this, creating a second three Super Bowl dynasty uh, for the really the greatest dynasty in NFL history. And it's not even close. And let's not forget, too, that Jermaine Curse on the Seahawks made an unbelievable catch uh, that was absolutely bobbling and got the Seahawks in position for that goal line play that they butchered. And that was very close to being like another play that's coming up on that list. The Patriots have fallen victim to some ridiculous plays over the year. Um, but we'll talk more about that later. For right now, at number three, we have the most underrated Super Bowl in NFL history. That is Super Bowl 43 with the Arizona Cardinals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so a little bit of background on this game. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers had actually won the Super Bowl uh, in Super Bowl 40, so three years earlier. And the Cardinals were coming in red hot with Larry Fitzgerald, who was 24 years old at the time. Larry Fitzgerald had the best NFL playoffs by a wide receiver of all time with seven touchdowns and 546 yards in a single postseason that postseason. He was coming in so hot. He was on fire, okay? I mean, you can't even explain how good 2009 Larry Fitzgerald was. And Kurt Warner, who had also previously won a Super Bowl, was 37 years old, having an unbelievable renaissance season. The Cardinals had an unbelievable offense, and they were very, very close to winning the Super Bowl. All right, so there are three major plays that you have to talk about here. The first play comes right as the half is ending. Kurt Warner is leading the Arizona Cardinals down to the end zone. The Steelers are up 10 to 7, but the Cardinals are about to score a touchdown, bringing it to uh bring it to 14 to 10 for the Cardinals. Instead, James Harrison, who is a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, makes an interception. And linebackers don't usually run too well and I'm not even sure if he just ran well on this one or if it was magical, but he starts going down the field and he keeps running and he's bumbling a little bit. He's sort of crashing into players a little bit, but his line, everyone in front of him is making the right play to get him the right blocks and he's moving with the ball and he's a tank and he can't be tackled and he takes it down to the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. And he gets tackled right into the end zone. He needed oxygen after because he completed the longest interception return in Super Bowl history with 100 yards by a linebacker at the end of the half, something you never see. It was absolutely incredible. So that was the first big play of the game. Now we get into the fourth quarter where things start to get a little bit crazy. With less than three minutes to go, Kurt Warner finds Larry Fitzgerald in the middle of the field, 
throws the ball to him right in the middle, looks like a basic slant play, but Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald, runs the ball up the flat, right up the middle, and he runs for a 64-yard touchdown with speed unlike anything you've ever seen. Like when they say faster than a speeding bullet, that was Larry Fitzgerald on this play. He scores with two minutes, 37 seconds left, and it looks like the Cardinals are about to win the Super Bowl, and Kurt Warner is about to win with another team. Team and Larry Fitzgerald is about to cement the greatest postseason run by a wide receiver in NFL history. But oh, wait, Ben Roethlisberger and Santonio Holmes were about to create some magic of their own. Ben Roethlisberger had some amazing passes to Santonio Holmes. And Santonio Holmes had some fantastic runs after the catch where he used his speed and strength to get by defenders and march the Steelers down the field. But what was truly truly amazing is what is now known as the toe tap catch. The toe tap catch was a very special event where Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball up high, past two defenders on the Cardinals, and Santonio Holmes catches the ball with his fingertips, and then he comes down, tapping his toes in the very corner, the back of the end zone. I mean, the probabilities, the percentages were absurd, but he made this play, and he made it for his team, and he did it with 35 seconds left to bring Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers their second championship and the franchise's sixth overall, which was a then record. This was an unbelievable game, one of the best games ever played. If you like big plays, definitely go check out uh, some, definitely go check out some highlights from this game or the full game. It's pretty amazing. All right, now at number two, we have, what some believe is the greatest Super Bowl ever played because of the circumstances. When you talk circumstances, it doesn't get bigger than this. It does not get bigger. The New England Patriots had the first 16-0 regular season in NFL history. They were going for the perfect season as they had made the Super Bowl and they were 18-0. But do you know who they completed that perfect season against in the regular season? That would be the New York Giants, who gave them a surprising run for the money as the New York Giants made the playoffs as a wildcard team that started 0-2. They were statistically one of the worst teams ever to make the Super Bowl, and the Patriots statistically were the best team ever to make the Super Bowl. It was poised to be a crowning of the greatest team of all time. The 2007 to 2008 New England Patriots, Tom Brady breaking the all-time passing record of 50 touchdowns. Randy Moss breaking the all-time receiving record of 23 touchdowns all in a single season. And people had written books. There were books in boxes set to go out the next day. They were selling shirts at the game about the perfect season that the Patriots were going to have. It was the most guaranteed win in sports history, arguably. But the New York Giants had something to say about that as they were about to complete the greatest upset, not just in Super Bowl history, but the history of sports. They held on to the football for a really long time, almost all of the first quarter. And this was where you could tell that things were kind of strange because the Giants were the ones who looked like they were in control as they capped it off with a touchdown. And the New England Patriots 
were sort of figuring their way out a little bit and not the high powered offense that they had been previously. So anyways, where this game starts to get really crazy is in the fourth quarter. Michael Strahan and the Giants defense had really been harassing Brady all game long in a way that he hadn't seen much of, but they were fired up. Michael Strahan was an all-time great. This was his last game. And so finally, though, Brady gets things going. He throws a touchdown to Randy Moss with about two minutes left in the Super Bowl. And it looks as though Brady and the Patriots are going to complete their comeback after being down 10 to 7. And now they're up 14 to 10. But the Giants had something to say about that. Eli Manning marches one of the greatest drives in NFL history. And then the greatest play in NFL history happened. Eli Manning, third and five, in a very precarious situation with less than two minutes to go, has to get the ball out of his hands, and it looks like the Patriots sack him. Except they don't. Eli Manning looks like he was swallowed whole by the line, but he somehow evades tackles, escapes players, and he throws the ball to David Tyree for a 32-yard catch, and David Tyree catches the ball on his helmet. He pins it to his helmet with his hands. It's known as the helmet catch. It's known as the greatest play in NFL history. It's known as the greatest play in Super Bowl history, and it's the defining moment of the greatest upset, not just in Super Bowl history, but in sports history. Eli Manning marches them down the field. He throws a touchdown to Plaxico Burris with 35 seconds left. And the Patriots' perfect season goes up in smoke as Eli Manning and the New York Giants complete the greatest upset in NFL history and a massive comeback as far as Tom Brady throwing a clutch touchdown with just over two minutes left and Eli Manning somehow tops it. Brady is a three-time Super Bowl champ at this point. Eli Manning's having interception trouble, somehow gets the Giants into the playoffs and they win the Super Bowl. This game was unbelievable. All right, now it's time for number one. And what else would you expect except the game they just made a movie about? That is Super Bowl 51. It is the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. And in case you don't know, the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history before this game happened was 10 points. 10 points. This was a 25-point comeback. Brady and the Pats were down bad. They did not look good at all. Brady was throwing interceptions. Uh, they just looked sloppy. They just looked really sloppy. And it didn't look like the typical New England Patriots. People were counting out Brady for the rest of his career in the middle of this game. And then things started to go pretty well. Brady throws a touchdown in the third quarter when they're down 28 to three with about two minutes left. And then Steven Goskowski nicks the extra point, 28 to nine as the Patriots head into the fourth. Lots of people forget that, that it was still 28 to nine in the fourth quarter started. There was a fumble by Atlanta with about eight minutes and 24 seconds left. It was exactly 824. Shout out to Kobe Bryant. And this was where things really began to change. Brady now threw a touchdown pass 
to Danny Amendola with five minutes and 56 seconds left as they are down by 16. They go for the two-point conversion. They get the two-point conversion. They're down by eight. They need a touchdown and another two-point conversion to tie. The Atlanta Falcons have the ball and they throw an insane, Matt Ryan throws an insane catch to Julio Jones on the sideline, toe tapping again. Looks like the Patriots are about to lose on another ridiculous catch, ending the comeback hopes but they get a big sack on Matt Ryan. Take the Falcons out of field goal range. Get the ball back. And then Brady starts the legendary drive with one of the most legendary catches in Super Bowl history that definitely rivals David Tyree as Julian Edelman has three defenders surrounding him, tackling them tackling him to the ground while he's trying to catch the ball and he's fumbling it up in the air, trying to catch it. And he does just that the ball goes out of his hands and he resecures it well on the ground for one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history, continuing the drive. James White then runs in the final touchdown. They throw the two point conversion to Danny Amendola as the new England Patriots set up for the first overtime in Super Bowl history. Shocking that it took 51 games to get into overtime, but what a legendary way for it to happen. So Brady and the Patriots win the coin toss, march down the field, James White runs in the touchdown, and the rest is history as the New England Patriots complete the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. You can go watch the movie based on it, 80 for Brady right now. And I'm going to have the writer of that movie, Emily Halpern, on this podcast in an episode two weeks from now. So stay tuned for that because she was actually with Tom Brady the night before he announced his retirement. So I definitely think there's going to be a story there. All right, those are the top five Super Bowls of all time. Let's get into the top five Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. So first off, we're actually starting out with Paul McCartney. Now, what's more important than Paul McCartney is the year before was the Janet Jackson classic wardrobe malfunction incident where her top literally came off on live television to millions and millions of people pulled off by Justin Timberlake in a, again, wardrobe malfunction, very popular quote at the time from that. So they were really trying to go with something more tame this year um, in 2005. And that was Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney was the perfect person for this. Everybody loves Paul McCartney. He's from the Beatles. Obviously, many consider the greatest band of all time. And he did a bunch of his hits. But really, the big, big moment of this halftime show was Hey Jude. I mean, can you imagine? And if you remember, everyone singing along to Hey Jude, just feeling the music coming together at the Super Bowl. So many people and on TV with someone who the whole world is comfortable with after, you know, parents were concerned. Can I show my kids the halftime show after what had happened? So uh, that was an absolutely unbelievable show to see. Next up at number four, we have Beyonce. This was a really epic halftime show. She did a bunch of her solo hits. She did Crazy in Love. She did Girls Around the World. She did Baby Boy. And then the big surprise is that she goes back to her roots because she'd become such a solo megastar that, you know, her, her ego was pretty next level for sure. And it really showed a certain amount of the Beyonce that people really fell in love with back when she was an Austin Powers Gold member, appearing on kids shows like Proud Family and Smart Guy. 
And uh, she really threw it back by bringing out Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams. And they performed Bootylicious, Independent Woman. And it was amazing to see as they rode out, rose out from the stage. And Beyonce's star power and her voice was just on full display with her backup dancers complete because Beyonce's always been an incredible dancer and choreographer. And she closed out the set with single ladies and Halo. And Halo really, you know, everyone putting their phones up and turning the lights on. It was a really special moment to be seen. So got to give it up for Beyonce at number four. Next, at number three, we have the king of pop, Michael Jackson. While the show was amazing, and I'm going to get into it, what was also amazing is that up to this point, the Super Bowl was losing ratings, which is hard to imagine now. This was in 1993 that Michael Jackson performed at Super Bowl 27, and the Super Bowl was losing ratings. They had some ridiculous halftime shows before. It was like what you'd see at an NBA or NHL halftime show, but on steroids. They had 3D effects, magic tricks, Elvis impersonators, and that was all like in the late 80s. Like, I'm not joking here. The Super Bowl halftime show was like a circus show almost. It was not what it was today. And they started bringing in acts like New Kids on the Block to spice it up. But Michael Jackson really cemented it and brought the Super Bowl halftime show back and made it the star-studded affair that brings the world together that it is today. He performed Billie Jean and Black or White. He performed Heal the World with a chorus. And he really, really had it going on. Classic MJ stuff, the dance movie. Moves. I mean, the original MJ, you would not believe how good this was and how important and monumental it was for the Super Bowl. For number two, this is actually my personal favorite, um, but I know that the best one is the one I'm about to mention after this. But number two is Eminem, Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, and Mary J. Blige truly bringing a hip-hop Super Bowl halftime act and showing that hip-hop belongs on the main stage. This was incredible. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg celebrating the 30th anniversary of them starting their careers working together. And they performed some of their hits like Still Dre and California Love. And then they show their influence on hip hop, especially Dr. Dre, because Dr. Dre discovered Snoop Dogg. Then we see Eminem, who Dr. Dre also discovered performing Lose Yourself in an epic moment, the most anthemic sports song of all time, arguably the greatest song ever made one of the greatest songs ever made it was the first rap song to win an oscar and eminem brings it on to the main stage we had kendrick lamar repping the 2010s and the 2020s bringing some new school flavor uh to the super bowl and that was amazing to see as well performing all right that was definitely all right and then we had 50 Cent, whose album Get Rich or Die Trying and the song in the club celebrates its 20th anniversary this week, coming in and hanging upside down, just like he did in the music video when he debuted and had one of the biggest debuts of all time. I mean, 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying was one of the biggest moments as far as cataclysmic effect all over the world on hip hop that you were ever going to see in your entire life. That was amazing stuff from 50 Cent. And then Mary J. Blige does Family Affair, the No More Drama songs, I like to call it. And she brings the house down as well. And then all of them come out at the end for Still Dre. 
in an unbelievable moment because Dr. Dre discovered 50 Cent as well. And Dr. Dre originally crowned Kendrick Lamar, King of the West Coast, just to see all of them together, to see Eminem, the highest selling hip hop artist of all time on the Super Bowl stage and to see hip hop have such a mainstream moment. I mean, it was it was absolutely extraordinary and it is so hard to get better than that. But I know and if you do your research and watch it, you'll know too that Prince at Super Bowl 41 was the absolute greatest Super Bowl halftime performance of all time. He came out with his purple guitar performing on a stage that was shaped like the symbol that he changed his name to so infamously. And he performed an incredible medley of songs that included a cover of Queen's We Will Rock You, the ultimate stadium rock. He performed Let's Go Crazy, 1999, a cover of Proud Mary, a cover of All Along the Watchtower, a cover of the Foo Fighters, Best of You. And we saw some great visual effects as well, like a big shadowy curtain behind him. But what really, really brought the house down in an epic moment and means even more now that the late great Prince has passed away is when he performed Purple Rain with Rain in Miami coming down around him and the stage lit in purple. To understand Purple Rain a bit, Prince along with Eminem, The Beatles, and Elvis Presley is the only artist to ever have a number one movie, a number one soundtrack, and a number one song all out at the same time. Purple Rain was something that even though I was not alive for, I know that it was it moved the world. People were in love with it, and the effects of that time were still felt uh, even if you weren't alive for it, just knowing how big Prince was and how big this moment was. And he is such a rock star and a superstar and so positive and his voice. And it just really encapsulated everything. And again, just the rain coming down during Purple Rain uh, was so epic and quite the sight to behold. So that is the greatest halftime show. Those are the five greatest halftime shows in Super Bowl history, the five greatest Super Bowls, and my three reasons for why the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Thank you guys so much for listening. Everyone, I had an absolute blast getting to share with you guys uh, the top moments in Super Bowl history. And hopefully this has gotten you all ready for the Super Bowl, gotten you excited for the Super Bowl, uh, taught you a little bit of history about the Super Bowl and why it matters so much, why it's such a cultural event, how it brings people together, and maybe even some moments you can go back and rewatch to prepare and enjoy for the Super Bowl. But thank you guys so much for listening today to Sky High Sports and Entertainment. Uh, definitely next week, we're going to talk about NBA, NBA trade deadline, recap the Super Bowl. Again, my interview with Emily Halpern is coming up in two weeks, who was with Tom Brady the night before he retired. So there's going to be some really interesting stories there. Please subscribe and download the podcast. It really helps support the podcast so I can keep doing this, so I can get bigger guests. And uh, I, I just really, really appreciate it and hope to keep making great content for you guys. Uh, if you leave a review, I'm more than happy to shout it out. If you can drop a five-star rating as well, please follow me on socials at Skyline 
Skylar Treppel on Instagram, at Skylar824 on Twitter, Skylar Treppel on LinkedIn and Facebook, and DM me, message me, anything you guys want talked about on the show. I definitely hope for this to be an interactive affair where you guys can feel part of Sky High Sports and Entertainment. And uh, I really look forward to bringing you the best content I can. So make sure to subscribe and download because that really helps support the show. And I can't wait to talk with you guys next week and go enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great week, everyone. And we will talk. I will talk to you next week.